As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it. We're so glad you've joined us. This is Thursday night, and tonight it's me and Denise and Paul and Joel, and we are thrilled to be here tonight. Amen. And I want to say thank you especially to Paul and Joel for working so hard to get here. You know, it's easier for me and Denise because we live very close to this studio, but Joel and Paul, they've got to really work here, and they've got to fight traffic to get here. And Mom, and I want to say thank you guys for being here every night for Home Group. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to say thank you for preparing all these notes. That must be take hours. Well, it really does take hours. But you know what? Proverbs 10, 21 says, The lips of the righteous feed many. And that's our job. It's to feed many. This is my job, is to take the revelation of the Word of God and to put it in a form that people can trust, that will answer their questions, help them grow. That's our job. And by the way, if you're a partner, your job is to help us do it. And you are. You're doing a great job. Your gifts to our ministry help us take this home group and our teaching around the planet. And you know, I regularly get a report about how many places are watching and feeding on our programs. My friends, it's really the whole world. You know, the Bible says in Romans 10, 18, it's a verse that God gave to me and Denise in the very beginning. Their voice went to the ends of the earth, their words to the ends of the world. It has really happened. This teaching goes to the ends of the world, but we're only able to do it because we have partners that help us. And we want to say thank you for being a partner with our ministry. And if you need prayer, please contact us. Let us know how to pray for you. Just send us your email. As soon as it shows up in the inbox, we're going to begin to pray for you. Or you can call us 1-800-742-5593. And as soon as we get your message, we're going to begin to really pray for you. And guys, I want everybody to know about this series called Apostolic Ministry. This is such a good series. You will love this. It'll feed you. It'll give you new understanding about what is an apostle. That's something that you need to know in these days. And it comes with a study guide. It's free. And the study guide's free. That's right. You can go download the study guide right now at renner.org. Just go get it. It's filled with everything that we've been covering in this series. And we're also offering you my book, which is called Chosen by God. And I just have to mention again, because I mentioned it last night in home group, my book called How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy. You need to know what the Bible says about the non-negotiables of the Christian faith. Do you know them? Could you pass a doctrine test? Are you sure you know them? This book will help you keep your head on straight. We are living in a world that has lost its mind. <laughs> it's lost its mind. It's gone crazy. Keep your head on straight. Even though you're living in a world that has lost its head, it's gone crazy. This book would be good for you. But Denise, tonight we're going to keep talking about the ministry of apostles. Have you guys enjoyed this? Very much. Well, then let me give you a test. Are you ready? Let's talk about the word apostle. Okay, our anchor verse is Ephesians 4.11, which says, For he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And when you read it in the Greek, the apostle Paul is real emphatic. He gave some indeed. No question about it. He gave some indeed to be apostles. He gave some indeed to be prophets. He gave some indeed to be evangelists, some indeed to be pastors and teachers. These are real gifts that Christ has given to the church. 
but the word apostle is a Greek word, apostolos. It's a compound of two Greek words, the op word apo, which Paul means to send out or separate something separate. distinct. And the word stelo, send. Send. And it comes from the word stolos, which means who remembers a military expedition. Thank you. This is the fourth night we've covered it. Do you remember what the word stolos means? It's a military expedition. So if you compound the two words together, who remembers what the word apostolos really means? It Anybody want to try? Admiral. Well, that was one of the first uses. Oh, you guys are just blowing it royal tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it means apostle. It, it means, means to be sent. It to be sent on a military <clears throat> expedition. And to set up a colony. And to set up a colony. That's right. I really thought my students would do better than that tonight. Well, I knew that Oppo was from or send away. I knew that. <clears throat> okay, well, let's just move on. <laughs> How did you do? Did you remember what the word apostolos means? That's really important. I think we're going to have a little talk with my home group tonight to make sure we really got it down. But tonight, we're going to find out that apostolic ministry is relational, it is geographical, it is territorial. Why is that important? Well, it means there's no such thing as an apostle to the whole world. Unless you're Jesus. Jesus is the only one that was an apostle to the whole world. Apostles are relational. They're based on relationship. They're based on geography. And they're based on territory. Now today, with the advent of international travel, there are some people who can have an international apostolic ministry, but even that would be very, very limited because apostolic ministry is relational. What do I mean by that? Well, I'm going to tell you. A careful study of Paul's New Testament writings reveal that apostolic ministry is relational, which means a person who is an apostle is not an apostle to everybody. Even real bona fide apostles are not apostles to everybody. He is an apostle only to a church or a group of churches with whom he has an apostolic relationship. For example, Paul was universally respected in the early church as an apostle, but he was not everybody's apostle. <clears throat> churches in other cities and other regions, like the church in Jerusalem, they acknowledged Paul's apostleship, but he was not their apostle. There were other apostles. There were other and apostles. There were other churches that were started by other apostles besides Paul. We know most about what Paul did, but we know that there were other apostles starting other churches. That's well, right. who was Paul an apostle to? He was an apostle to Ephesus. Why? He started Ephesus. He had a relationship with Ephesus. He was recognized as an apostle in Colossae. Why? Same reason. He helped start the church. He had a relationship with the church. Corinth started the church, had a relationship with the church. Galatia started the church, had a relationship with the church. Hierapolis, Laodicea, Pergamum, Philadelphia, Philippi, Sardis, Smyrna, Thessalonica, Thyatira, and others. But if you look at it closely, where Paul was recognized as an apostle, it's where he either started the church, he was involved in the starting of the church, or he had a direct relationship with the leadership of the church. It was all based on relationship. So apostolic ministry is relational. And that's why we have the books of 
1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. He was able to write to those churches with authority because he had an apostolic relationship with those churches. This is very, very important. So just because somebody claims to be an apostle does not mean that they are your apostle. Apostleship is relational and it's with churches. It's usually with a church or with groups of churches. And Paul wrote letters to the churches with whom he had an apostolic relationship. And because it is relational, it means that apostleship most ordinarily is also geographical. It's limited to what you can get to, to what you can get to. For example, I have relationships with people in Russia. I really have relationships with them because I live in Russia. There are people in other parts of the world that have said, Rick, we'd like to have you know, some kind of an ongoing mm-hmm. spiritual relationship with you. I'm not there. I can't get to them. I can't be involved in their life. I can talk to them by the telephone, but I can't be close to them. The ones I can really give myself to are the ones that are right here. It's geographical, it's territorial, and it is relational. This is very important. Well, based on that, there have been churches that have called us and said, can we please join your church association? And they're in places that we have never, ever been. They're in places that we have no intention to visit. Now, they're wonderful people. I'm sure they have great churches. But since they're in places that we've never been, they're in places that we never intended to visit, I simply say to them, it would be better if you were part of a church group, association, that was closer to you. Because we have no intention and we probably aren't, aren't, can't travel to visit you and you cannot be accountable to someone that has never even been to your church. Mm-hmm. I think you should be connected to someone that's closer to you. And we find out that sometimes people don't want to be accountable to people that can actually visit them. That's the truth because they don't want to be, they don't want what they're really doing to be seen. Yes. So uh, your ability to take care of what God is trying, now this is, I mean, this is based on what my father just said, it's based on our beliefs, but our ability to actually be responsible for other churches and ministers depends on whether or not we are in relationship with them or not. And that is really what the Apostle Paul taught. For example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 2, Paul made this remarkable statement. Listen to this. He was writing to the Corinthians. He said, if I be not an apostle unto others, I am to you. There were others. There were others that he was not an apostle to. Maybe he knew them. He was not an apostle to the church in Jerusalem. They recognized him as an apostle, but he was not their apostle. Mm-hmm. He was not the apostle to Rome. But Rome definitely recognized his apostleship. That's why he wrote a letter to them. So Paul had authority as an apostle, but that did not make him an apostle to everybody. This is really important. And the reason it's important is because if anybody shows up and says, I'm an apostle to the world or I'm an apostle to this nation, that is nonsense. Okay, you met someone recently. Oh, I was was in Jerusalem filming for you some stand-ups to our programs. And while we were filming, camera was set up. I'm filming the stand-up to the program. And while I'm filming, a man walks up to me dressed in a long robe with a beard and interrupts. And I said, may I help you? 
He said, I need to know who you are and why you're here. I said, well, first of all, let me know who I'm talking to. He said, I am the apostle of Jerusalem. I said, oh. I said, tell me about your apostleship. When did you move to Jerusalem? He said, I moved here a few months ago. I have a little, little room around the corner. I'd like for you to come to my house, and I want to give you a cup of tea, and I want to see whether or not I approve of you to be in the city of Jerusalem. I am the apostle. He was not an apostle. I just thought I would tell you. He was just a man with an interesting robe who thinks he's an apostle. That's something interesting about Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, there's something called the Jerusalem Syndrome. Paul, what is the Jerusalem Syndrome? Well, the Jerusalem Syndrome, well, there, there are probably a few ways to explain it, but there... People show up who think that they're biblical characters. Yes, they think that they're biblical characters or they're... They think they're John the Baptist, they think they're Jesus, they think they're Elijah, they actually go out into the wilderness and there are actually wards and hospitals dedicated to take care of those that have the Jerusalem syndrome. Yes. Well, I think that guy had the Jerusalem syndrome. Isn't that interesting? Very interesting. Anyway, he thought he was the apostle of... Did he specify Jude, Peter? No, he didn't say. He just said he was the apostle of Jerusalem and I was to come to his house and have tea to see whether or not I could film in that location over which he had absolutely no jurisdiction. But it was interesting. I thanked him and he went on his way. At least we he had the understanding that apostleship was geographical. Well, he definitely thought it was his territory. Let's just say that. But I didn't have a relationship with him. Mm -hmm. He had no authority to speak into my life. But Paul said, if I be not an apostle to others, I am to you. Well, that's very important. Then he said, you, the seal of mine apostleship in the Lord is you. Oh. So the proof of apostleship is not a boast, it's not a claim, it's people. People are the proof of your apostleship. If you're really an apostle, you'll have fruit to show for it. And the fruit will be a congregation or a group of churches with whom you have an apostolic relationship. Isn't that amazing? Very. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 15, Paul added, he said, we're not boasting of things without our measure, or out of our territory, that is, of other men's labors. Paul was so respectful of the apostolic ministry of others that if he knew that others were working in a church or in a city or in a territory, he says, I won't even go there. I don't work where other men are working. Hmm. And that goes back to the idea that apostolic ministry primarily goes to virgin territory. Why would Paul want to labor where there were other apostles already working? He didn't do that. He was not a sheep stealer. He wanted to go where no one had ever worked. I think it's very important. And he was respectful of others who were apostles and didn't try to take credit for their work. He stayed away from it. He honored them. He was understanding that apostolic ministry is geographical, it is relational, and it is territorial. And he warned us to guard against pretend apostles. Where did he warn us? Well, let's look. Open your Bible to 2 Corinthians. Let's go there. And in 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul talks about pretend apostles. Now, I'm just going to tell you again as our home group that I think most people who claim to be apostles and are not, I think they're sincere. I think they just don't know what it means to be an apostle. 
I have, I have no criticism of them. I think they just don't understand. Is that okay, guys? Mm-hmm. Let's look at it. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter, um, let's see, chapter 11, where the Apostle Paul talks about false apostles. And he says this in verse 13, For such are false apostles, then he calls them deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the what? The apostles of Christ. Christ. Well, let me read you from my notes. False apostles in Greek is pseudo-apostolos. From the word pseudos, the word pseudos means something that is bogus or something that is pretend. Something that's bogus or pretend. The word apostolos, the word apostle. So you put the two words together and here's what it really means. It carries the idea of any type of falsehood. It pictures one who projects a false image of himself, someone who deliberately walks in a pretense that is untrue, Hmm. a person who intentionally misrepresents facts or truths, one who misrepresents who he is by what he does, by what he says, or by the lie or misrepresentation that he purports to be true. But when you put it all together, it really describes a bogus or a pretend apostle. That is amazing to me. Well, Paul was concerned about these pretend apostles because they were after his geography, his territory where he had been working because they understood that if they could really put themselves forth as apostles, they would have authority in the lives of people and they could use it as leverage to take advantage of them financially, relationally. Maybe these were just people who just craved power and authority in the lives of other people. And they tried the craziest ways to discredit Paul. For example, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, they said that he was physically unattractive and was a poor speaker and he did not deserve to be anybody's apostle because he was ugly and didn't have good speaking skills. That's how they tried to discredit him. Wasn't that nice? Or in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, even though Paul worked a job and paid his own bills, they accused him of trying to take financial advantage of other people, which is exactly what most false apostles try to do. Then when you come to Galatians chapter 1, they accused him of being loose in his doctrine of grace. If he was anything, he was not loose in his doctrine of grace. Then when you come to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 1, they said that his revelations were weak compared to theirs, that they had superior revelations. So they were all the time trying to discredit Paul. And that is why in Romans 1.1, 1, 1, 1 Corinthians 1.1, 1, 1, 2 Corinthians 1.1, 1, 1, Galatians 1.1, 1, 1, Ephesians 1.1, 1, 1, Colossians 1.1, 1, 1, Paul over and over says, Paul and apostle, Paul and apostle, Paul and apostle, Paul and apostle. Why is he all the time saying, I'm an apostle, I'm an apostle? Because people are after his apostleship. They're after his relationships. They're after his geography, the territory where he works in the kingdom of God. And like a father in the faith, he rises up. It's really not to defend himself. It's to defend the church because false apostles are after the church because they have wrong motivations. So that leads us back to this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Look at it again, verse 13. For such are false apostles, pretend apostles, bogus apostles. And this verse says, deceitful workers. 
I, I think it's important that we we divide false apostles into two separate categories. Okay. Because you've said that there are people that have misused the word. They really have. There are sincere ministers that have misused the word. That's right. And then here we have false apostles, or even in verse 14, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of life. So these are people that have, are intentionally acting like apostles to steal or to abuse other people. And that's what Paul says next in this verse. He calls them deceitful workers. Mm -hmm. That word workers means they're really putting work into it. They are really trying to deceive. Deceitful, the Greek word dolias, guess what it is? Do you know that word? It's a fishing term. It means to bait the hook to catch a fish. Well, I grew up in a fishing boat with my dad. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, my dad would say, Rick, you got to move that bait. You got to move that bait in a way to make that fish bite that bait. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, <laughs> if I was a fish, how would I want the bait to move? But those that are pretend <laughs> apostles, they're all the time trying to figure out how to get people to bite the bait. They're insincere. They're just doing whatever they have to do to get people to bite the bait. Like a fisherman, I'm writing from my notes, who carefully camouflages a hook with bait, these counterfeit apostles lure sincere believers closer and closer until finally they bite the bait. And once the hook is set in the victim's mouth, they set the hook to take entire congregations into their control and away from those who really have genuine spiritual authority in the lives of those churches. Really, it's spiritual robbery. It's spiritual bandits. That's really what it is. And the Bible calls them workers, deceitful workers. It portrays someone who actively works at what he is doing. So in this particular case, Paul, you're right. These are not sincere people making a mistake. These are very insincere people intentionally trying to steal what belongs to somebody else. Mm -hmm. They're trying to take authority that does not belong to them. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. But that, that's important for us because we need to know, we need to be able to discern. We must know how to discern. Being able to discern is part of maturity. We have to be able to discern whether someone is sincere or not, whether someone is truly an apostle or not an apostle, or we at least have to know who can discern so that we can trust those who are teaching us. And he goes on to say in verse 14, I'm sorry, verse 13, they transform themselves into the apostles of Christ. The word transforming is a Greek word which literally means, listen to this, to disguise oneself. That is so insincere. To disguise oneself, to deliberately change one's outward appearance, to masquerade in clothing that depicts a person as different than he really is. And Paul in this verse, so son, you're right. He is referring to individuals who intentionally, intentionally attempt to pass themselves off as apostles, knowing full well that they are not. Mm -hmm. Now, you said that we need to be able to discern. You know, discernment's an interesting thing. <coughs> Discernment is the ability just to inwardly know whether you're looking at something that's real or not. 
You know, it helps you discern knowledge. Knowledge. Let's talk about counterfeit money for a minute. How do you know whether money is really counterfeit or real? It's not by studying counterfeit money. Those that are experts study real money. Real money. And when they come across false money, they know it's not real, that it's bogus, because they know the real deal. Discernment is much easier to have when you know the real deal. That's why understanding what is apostolic ministry, what is an apostle, what is not an apostle, what does the word apostle really mean, what does an apostle really do, when you know the real deal, then you don't have to sit around all the time saying, I wonder if this one's phony. I wonder if this one's bogus. Don't get into a spirit of suspicion. That's not what discernment is. No, that's bad. Don't do that. That'll put you in bondage. Just lock in on what is real. And when something comes along that doesn't fit, you'll know this isn't right. There, there, there's something wrong with this. And you're not obligated to embrace everything that comes along. If you don't feel that you can embrace it, then just back off. You don't even have to make a comment or commentary about it. Just back off. Just leave it alone. Let it go. Maybe it's for somebody else. Maybe it's just not for you. Anyway, the Bible's pretty clear about what is and what is not an apostle. And when you know what really is, then it's easier for you to discern the fake. If you go back to discernment, sometimes it's like eating food. Uh, there have been times when everyone's been eating. Everyone, we're all eating the same food, but I don't feel like I should be eating this food. And I just don't eat it. it. I don't have to prove that the food is bad for me. I don't have to prove that the food isn't cooked well. Uh, I've, I've been, it's been times when everyone's eating the same food and someone got sick and someone didn't got sick. And at the moment when I was eating the food, I just had an inward feeling that, you know what? I don't think this is for me. And I just set it aside. I didn't have to study it to prove that it wasn't for me. I just had an inward feeling that it wasn't for me. And sometimes later I have proof. It's a good thing I didn't eat that. Mm. But sometimes I don't have proof. Sometimes you just don't know why you didn't eat that food. The same thing applies to spiritual food. Use or be sensitive to what you feel on the inside. But we're talking about apostles right now. Are you guys enjoying this? Yes. yes. So we need to know what is apostolic ministry. We really do. What is it? What is it not? You need to know. And I want you to get my book called Chosen by God. And remember, the download for this series is free. Is that right, Joel? That's right. Just go All to renter.org. Go to renter.org. You can download it right now. And this will really feed you. And I want to say again, the purpose of us speaking about this is not to make people suspicious, but it's to give people knowledge. We're trying to give you teaching you can trust, something you can stand on to let you know what's authentic, what is inauthentic. It's really hard to appreciate and embrace apostolic ministry if you don't even know what the word means. This is really vital. Anyway, this is free, so we want you to have it. And remember that if you need prayer, just send us your email or call us at 1-800-742-5593. As soon as we hear from you, we're going to begin to pray for you. But tomorrow night, we're going to come back and we're going to wrap up a whole week about apostolic ministry. And tonight, tomorrow night, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 12, 12, where the Apostle Paul says, Surely 
the signs of an apostle were wrought among you. What are the real signs, the neon signs that say this is an apostle? That's what we're going to see tomorrow night. It's going to be good. So we'll see you tomorrow night. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.